This is Shays. Here's the jump hook. Is good. Sykes has it. Half court heat for the win. He got it. Baked it in for the win. And now we've got a battle. Kareem against Shays. Doug Moe trying to get his players back. They don't want a technical foul. They're still in a, in a lock here. Kareem has got a headlock on Shays. This is Shays and Higgins. Happy Friday, everybody, and welcome in. Working our way toward the weekend, Cuse and Duke tomorrow. What a way to kick off a Saturday at high noon down in Durham. Looking forward uh, to that one. A tough loss for the women's basketball team last night that will uh, break down a little bit here as well. It was a defensive struggle, perhaps not what we're expecting tomorrow on the men's side, but rolling along here on a Friday, Brian against Danny Shays. And Danny, may I, I say this to you on a Friday, and you're not going to expect to hear this. Uh, happy National Squirrel Appreciation Day. That's how we kick off this Friday with a, a salute to our outdoor friends. I appreciate it. You know, I think that's really an underappreciated uh, creature, uh, squirrels. We all love watching them uh, saunter by as long as they're not chewing on our power cords for the holidays or uh, – uh, you know, dig it into our trash. But outside of that, hard not to like a good squirrel. And uh, I remember you know, several times driving around Syracuse, slamming on the brakes to avoid one of our furry friends. And uh, uh, always cute to, to see him bouncing around. Uh, yes, you've, you've now passed the test. I, I blindsided you with squirrel talk to start the show just to see what would happen. And uh, also, just as it came to mind, uh, it because, it, you know, it snowed later in Syracuse uh, this year than it has in the past, I had maybe the four fattest squirrels in the history of the earth that have been living in my backyard for the uh, for the last few minutes. So uh, I, nice. I've been well, appreciating you... Squirrel Appreciation Day. There you go. And you know, I'm always good on the fly, especially when it's flying squirrels that we're talking about. So, uh, you know, maybe we can tie a couple of those thoughts together. Okay, uh, those were uh, those were definitely landbound squirrels after after they'd been munching on the trees there for uh, for a few months. They they had lost their flying ability, but I, I'm going to assume now they're go. they're snoozing somewhere since it's two degrees outside. Uh, neither here nor there. Uh, let's get let's get into the hoops a little bit. Last night, Danny, uh, obviously the, uh, lots of NBA action. Uh, last night, uh, that FanDuel bet the Knicks did cover as 200 point underdogs last night, so we, we brought people home on that one. Happy for that. Good to know. Uh, t- yeah, tough one for the women last night. Uh, we talked about it a lot. You're playing the best defensive team in the country. You score 55 points, which is actually uh, nine more than they normally give up, so that's something. But you give up 65. I, I know you've been in games like this. That There's some games you're down by eight, and it feels like, ah, it's just eight. Don't worry about it. Last night you're down by eight, and this happened multiple times. They went on a run, and a run last night was two baskets in a row, so four. Exactly. And you cut it to four, and you feel like you've accomplished something huge, and the other team scores once, you're back down six, and it feels like the world is ending again. It was it was just hard to find a bucket last night. You know, it's funny. Talking about the, this SU women's team this year, obviously the turmoil they've been through, knew everything, essentially a brand-new mm-hmm. program. Uh, then working through you know, these tough teams, you know, playing hard, close games. And we said, you know, this is a team that uh, holds her. You know, if, if, if you get to 50 – uh, you're doing good. So, you know, we got to give credit where credit is due. The women pulled up a 50-plus, and, uh, uh, you know, obviously Georgia Tech, a, a strong team. And, uh, you know, so th- I think this team is really making strides uh, towards rebuilding this program. 
And it's, you know, the record is what it is. It's five straight losses now. Four of the five are against currently ranked teams. So it has not been an easy stretch. And uh, go figure what in theory would have been the two easiest games in this stretch didn't happen. Virginia is the worst team of the league. That game gets postponed with weather. You're supposed to play Florida State a few weeks ago. It was a perfectly fine team, but uh, not as good as these other teams you've lost to. It would have been a home game and that game uh, postponed to February due to uh, COVID. So you never had a soft landing spot. And it's got to be tough when you're shorthanded. You got six, Danny, and it all it's every game you're playing a ranked team. It's hard to, to catch a breath here and come up for air when you're in a situation like this. Well, I remember talking to Chuck Daly the year he was coaching here at the Magic when I was with Orlando, and he said, you know, look, when, when you're down, nobody cares. They want to come <laughs> and uh, step on you. The games keep coming. You got to play them. So it's really just a matter of you know picking yourself up and fighting through it every game. And obviously, he was the coach of the Dream Team and the Bad Boy Pistons. And you know, when that run ended, uh, you know, clearly everybody wanted to get their revenge on them. So, uh, you know, they, they just keep coming, right? Yeah, you pick yourself up, dust it off, uh, get the next win. That's uh, you know, that's all you can do. And uh, golfing partner of uh, one Michael Jordan uh, during the the Dream Team time, so he could get practice to start later. If I if I've learned anything from uh, those documentaries that you were a star of back back in the day, uh, Danny. But it's it's been so interesting watching this stretch here and Syracuse, the women anyway, they feel like, you know, OK, you're one in five in the league. It's not going great, but they are the team at unfortunately the bottom of the league right now that the teams at the top of the league like don't want any part of because, uh, you know, some of these teams, it's a it's a free square. It's a guaranteed win, like, at least with Syracuse. And this is not what you want out of a season, but it's what it's become here. They're making you earn it. And, you know, lunch pail, whole deal. They're, they're bringing it every time out. Well, hey, I played on teams where the best we could do is be the spoiler, right? You get to the mm-hmm. second half of the season, you make a run, uh, you get some get some revenge on some of the early teams, especially a team like Syracuse that's going to continue to develop, again, putting all these new parts together, new coach, all the things we've discussed. And, uh, you know, we'll see if they can climb back in it. I mean, if, if there's anything we learned about these last couple of years is that they're going to be up and down and unpredictable. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like I said, I, I know this team went into it as a, uh, you know, kind of put the pieces back together year. And uh, and so far, you know, there, there's a lot of ways to look at it where they're the, at least getting where they're going. Right. That's uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the, probably the, the the worst team I played on uh, was you know, by record anyway, was actually one of the better teams I played on. Chemistry, personality. Uh, that was my rookie year with the Jazz. Only won 25 games, 25 and 57. Uh, including an 18 game losing streak uh, and at four games a week you know that that's a, a drag uh, but then we turned it around finished six and four at the end built a lot of momentum uh, going into the next year so this the team always fought so uh, you know we'll, we'll see how this uh, the women's team keeps going but uh, but I've seen a lot of heart out of that group yeah, and there's something to be said for what you're saying about uh, about that thing because it, it is easy, uh, especially it would have been in this year in when hey all of these people met each other a few months ago, uh, which is only a minor exaggeration of, of what happened. It, it's easy to quit on a thing like that and just take your ball and go home and and who cares and and that's not what happened. So uh, I think that's a good sign and uh, still plenty more ball to come uh, for them. Uh, no game this Sunday. They're the team in the league uh, with the weekend off with the odd number of teams. Be back in action uh, Thursday in South Bend. A second meeting with Notre Dame. That was a tight game up until the fourth quarter. Things went uh, a little sideways, but uh, that was the second game of the year. So this will be a whole completely different thing uh, coming up exactly. Thursday. 
in South Bend. Danny, I do just a, a postscript to our, our Digna story yesterday. The, our new YouTube uh, star played well, uh, nine points, 10 boards, blocked a few shots, but I, I thought it was cool. Uh, you talk about, okay, the players leaving the program. What's the reception going to be like when they come back? Digna was always a, a fan favorite type of player. She was the first player announced in starting lineups yesterday. Big applause from the crowd. Lady on the baseline had a, a big Digna sign that she brought with her. Digna was taking pictures with everybody after the game. I, I think that that's a cool moment that she gets a, to be saluted by the fans that spent so much time watching her for four years. Exactly. That's a great testament to how she performed while she was here, not only on the court, but off the court. You know, it takes a, mm-hmm. uh, you know, there's different ways, as you know, to connect. Uh, you know, with your fan base, some of it's being a good player, but also, you know, when you're out in the community and you're liked that way, that, that that's what really that's what really lasts. I know that I've had mixed receptions going back to former teams, and uh, uh, you know, when my first trip back to the Jazz with the Nuggets, uh, a couple of my teammates asked me if I had murdered somebody when I was there. So, uh, but the rest of the time, yeah, normally went pretty well. Got a couple of good standing O's. So it's uh, it's definitely nice to get back to your. You know, to your old stomping ground, and uh, and certainly get the win. Uh, yes, that that adds to it. Uh, that helped Digna being in a smiley mood. I think after the game that she got the win. Uh, if you you don't win the game, you're probably less happy to do the pictures and uh, stuff uh, afterwards. So the the dub certainly helps. Uh, just an editor's note here, Danny. Uh, to the best of my knowledge, anyway, uh, you did not actually murder anybody during your time in Salt Lake City. Uh, that is correct. Uh, just a okay. couple of murderous glances, but uh, okay. no actual murders. So, so there you go. Good. I said if you had taken the fifth there, that that probably would have uh, brought me into our, our show here at the end of uh, week two. Uh, we yeah, we like a good a, firm denial saying, for that. Change, change the subject. Change the subject. Yeah. No, All, good. <laughs> All right. Then. We we will actually change the subject here a little bit. We're starting to turn the page here to Duke. We'll be hearing a little bit from Jim Beheim shortly to end our show today. The voice of the Blue Devils, David uh, Shoemade. But here we are, Danny. This is the first of two of the Blue Devils. There's not been it. You know, there's usually not a buzz. I, I feel about town and you know college basketball. Basketball chatter, Cuse at Duke or Duke here doesn't matter, and it really hasn't mattered. The rankings or the record that always feels like a little something. I don't know what it is. It feels like a little spice is kind of lacking from this one uh, this year, at least as we sit here today. You know, it's interesting that you know with the teams, you know, if you want to say struggles, you know, or at least not having a uh, you know a, a top record at this point of the season. I think you know maybe the fans are getting a, a little bandwagony, but. Uh, uh, you know, when I, there's a lot of things I really like about the Syracuse team, and I'm looking forward to the game tomorrow. I mean, uh, I had the, the pleasure of watching uh, Paolo Bonchero play at uh, last year in high school. Uh, he okay. played in a, uh, uh, a team out in, uh, in California, uh, and uh, they played in the, what's called the grind section, which was uh, actually an, uh, a league outside of the normal high school league, you know, all for prep schools. And uh, so my son's team played against him. I got to watch him play. A lot of the games were in Phoenix because of all the shutdowns in California. And so they moved a lot of the, the, they played bubble tournaments, essentially, originally designed to be around the West, uh, but ultimately, you know, centered in Phoenix because, again, of all the COVID restrictions in California and the West Coast. So got to see him play a lot. Uh, A man among boys, uh, even on the, the, the top prep school level, and you're seeing that continue uh, in in college, you know, six ten, do it all player, big and strong, jumps to the moon, physical, runs, shoots the three, uh, handles, uh, really a complete player, fun to watch. I think I, I think the best defense against them all year has been leg cramps, and uh, you know, if you watch <laughs> them play a few times, he's seized up in about three of their games, especially early. 
uh, from dehydration, whatever. But uh, uh, you know that, that's been the best. The, the only thing able to stop him all year has been leg cramps. So outside of that, he's been uh, pretty much having his way. Uh, that's not the best problem to have when you play Cameron because it uh, it does get a wee bit stuffy in there from uh, from time to time of all, all arenas to uh, to call your home. So we'll talk a little bit more about uh, Apollo here in a second. I want to get Danny's uh, thoughts when we come back about uh, his NBA future and uh, where a guy like him can uh, slot in and certainly one of the just litany of Duke one and dones that we've seen now here in the last uh, five, ten years. We'll talk about that. So that's going on tomorrow. Also going on tomorrow and throughout the weekend, the NFL playoffs, and each win means that much more in the playoffs this year. That's why FanDuel Sportsbook <laughs> is hooking up new customers with 30-to-1 enhanced odds for the divisional round this weekend. Bet five to win a 1,000 on any team to win any divisional round game. Just sign up for FanDuel Sportsbook. Make a deposit to claim your 30-to-1 enhanced odds. That can work for the Bills game this Sunday night on the road at the Chiefs. No better place to bet the playoffs than on America's number one sportsbook. Simple and easy to use the app. Generous promotions every day. Safe and secure with best-in-class customer service. And when you win, they'll pay you out in as little as two hours. If you already have FanDuel Sportsbook, they're hooking up all customers with $50 when you refer a friend. Plus, your friend will get 50 bucks too. Don't miss your chance to win $150 off a $5 bet when you use promo code SHAZESYR when signing up. Download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's promo code SHAZESYR and pick your divisional round playoff team before kickoff. That's the two games tomorrow and the two games on Sunday. You must be 21 or over and present in the state of New York. New users only. $10 first deposit required. Must wager in designated offer market. The max bonus is $150. Restrictions apply. See full terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. More about the Dukies when we come back. A little bit from Jim Beheim last night at his Jim Beheim show as well on uh, how he fancies Syracuse chances against Duke or really anybody else out there. We'll get to that when we come back. As always, sponsored by Ferron and Sons Funeral Home here on Shays and Higgins. We roll along after this. It's QSportsTalk.com and ESPN Radio. Watch your favorite ESPN Syracuse Sports Talk shows on QSportsTalk.com. This is Shays and Higgins. This is Shays and Higgins. This is Friday. No games today, at least for Syracuse. Big game tomorrow, Cuse and uh, Duke. And it has been uh, rare in this series here, Danny, that, like, you... Almost every time, regardless of the final score, there were blowouts, and Syracuse lost six to seven in the series. But it feels like something memorable is going to go on when, when Syracuse and uh, Duke uh, get together. Be it uh, Zion running over Marek, be it Tom Brady hanging out courtside, like for this, that, or the other thing. Like Syracuse, the president showing up. Like something's going to happen when, when Syracuse and Duke show up in the same building. Yeah, or a, a Bayheim jacket flying into the stands. I mean, who knows? All possible. Uh, uh, what, what type of action? I was actually down at Cameron the first year we were in the ACC. I actually uh, uh, grabbed an ESPN press pass and uh, worked my way in. Didn't have a seat, so just kind of wandered around for the whole game. Because as you know, if you don't have a seat, you're in the auxiliary building. But I uh, pulled a few strings. Mm. Uh, and actually, one of my favorite souvenirs of the trip was my photo in front of the Cameron Crazies in my, of course, uh, you know, my SU orange golf shirt. And uh, so I waved them all on, said, come on, quick selfie. I'm standing there, you know, in front of the crowd. And I 
you know, take the picture with them behind me. We're all painted up and all ready to go. And I look at the picture later. It actually was my screensaver for a long time. And and they are like flipping me the bird, screaming at me, you know, <laughs> neck bulging, veins on their forehead. I mean, they're like so into, you know, flipping me off as the SU guy. And I'm, I got the big grin on my face. I mean, it is hysterical. And the poor, as you know, being down there, the, the poor press folks, they got the, the press table on the side of the court. In you know between the sideline and the front row of the crazies, and you know hope you don't have to go to the bathroom during the game because once you're in there, there is no way you're getting up. It's one long table. People and the fans are leaning over you, you know, drooling on you while you're trying to do the work. I mean, it is a uh, it's a real experience to be down there for the games. Yeah, the the broadcast like the media row is there where you're standing right in front of the students. And uh, realistically, along with your media pass, if you have seats there, they should give you a dry cleaning voucher because most of the people I know exactly. go there end up with blue, blue paint on on the back Green of their umbrella. shirts. Exactly, uh, and you are right. If you're in those seats, you can't. You literally cannot get out. There is not room to uh, maneuver. The broadcasting perch is up top, and thankfully. Uh, they've done a bit of renovation here in the last, um, I think it's four years or so. You used to have to take literally the last steps up. We're literally up of a ladder, like a, a skinny uh, ladder, which when you're, it, which is one thing. But when you also have to get the equipment to broadcast the game up the ladder, that is not necessarily something uh, you've signed up for. And then they like repelled the ladder up during the game because it was literally in the way of some seats. So. Talk about a fire hazard. Like, okay, building's on right. fire. Good luck to you. We've trapped you next to the roof the, of the yeah, building. You're going down with the ship. That's for sure. Yeah. I, and uh, legitimately in the renovations, I think uh, fire marshals and whatnot said things like that. And now there are uh, at least a small set of stairs that goes <laughs> that goes up there. Uh, also, if, uh, if you had a seat to that game, Danny, I, I can say this. I, I've been there a, a handful of times to call women's games there. I've been to one game there. Uh, sitting in the seats because they just happened to have a, a men's game the day before when I was there and we got tickets to it. Uh, there is a 0% chance, and I say 0% chance, that you, Danny Shays, would have fit in a seat at Cameron Indoor Stadium uh, widthwise, lengthwise, whichever direction. There is no way you would have fit in one of those seats. Well, and most of the time you have a reservation for 12 inches of pine uh, on the bleacher. So, yeah, it is not, not a comfortable place to watch a game. I actually did better just walking around, standing, hanging out with the band, uh, you know, enjoying the concourse, uh, checking it from every different angle. So that was uh, it was a lot of fun. And that was the Bayheim throw the jacket, you know, lose the one pointer at the end game. And it uh, uh, was uh, quite the thrill. It's still not a charge. Wherever you are, CJ Fair, that was not a charge. I will believe that uh, for the rest of eternity. Uh, anyway, uh, Jim Beheim was not happy uh, that day. Here is Jim Beheim on this day as we get into our uh, daily Beheim bite. And uh, Jim says, why not? They can win the game tomorrow. They can win any of these games on, on their schedule the rest of the way. Miami is really good. We led the whole game. Wake Forest has been really good. We led with 11 seconds to go. You know, if we're losing by 10 or 15, then it's hard to get your team to think, well, you know, you can win. I mean, you can do it and you work at it, but when you lose close games like we've lost, the, the players absolutely believe they they can win. We gave away two games. Uh, you know, we're in every game. We're right there. We're playing good basketball in a lot of ways, and especially on offense. And, uh, you know, so we, we think we can beat anybody. We're not concerned about that. Uh, we know Duke is really good. But, you know, we feel if we play better, the, the way we can play, we're okay. They're not concerned that they can't win. 
and it's hard to argue against if you look at the close losses uh, this year and we, we talked about it with Mike Waters yesterday like not a lot would have had to change with this season to have a handful uh, more wins in their pocket and this wouldn't be a better team or a worse team but it's the other thing we talk about too Danny right the, the skill of winning those close games is something uh, it seems yet to be acquired by this year's Orange team well, and again, that's an execution thing. It's a confidence thing. It's a somebody stepping up thing. You know, the, you know, having the ball ten seconds to go, as Coach talked about, with the lead, you know, that's a giveaway, right? They, you know, can't get the ball in twice. Um, uh, and then you know, an overtime. You know, every overtime game is a coin flip. Every one point game is a coin flip. Uh, you know, Miami again, another game uh, right there. And you know, the season would look different. But again, for this team and and the way this league is going to go, uh, you know, Duke has not been uh, you know had not been impregnable either. You know, they've got a lot of young, no. you know, uh, young new people they're putting into the game, and um, you know, they've they've been uh, vulnerable looking. So I, I wouldn't say that the you know this is uh, you know a, a cream puff game for Duke at all. If anything, you know, I think they got to be real careful. Careful. Uh, Duke, a very good offensive team, not a real three-point shooting team, which begs the question of Syracuse's zone really being able to hamper them. And we'll see how that plays out. Uh, but again, on the offensive end, Syracuse has been good. They've been, even though they play a short bench, uh, they've moved the ball and got everybody involved. So that's another thing that bodes well. And uh, yeah, you mentioned the Duke three-point shooting. I mean, you think over the years, in many ways, Duke was one of the earlier teams to embrace uh, a high volume of three-point shooting. So it's uh, almost uh, odd to see a Coach Gay team not uh, vomiting it away from deep. So we'll see how that plays out. They got some uh, legit dudes in the middle, Mark Williams versus Jesse Edwards. We can get into that here in a little bit. That is going to be a, a titanic uh, matchup inside. I think we'll talk about that when we come back. I'll we'll talk a little bit more about Paolo Boncaro, about uh, wh- where he is now, and I think maybe what kind of NBA player uh, that Danny thinks he can be uh, down the line, because uh, almost for surely he's a one-and-ton type of guy. So we'll do that uh, when we come back. We'll wrap up the show after that with the play-by-play voice of the Duke Blue Devils for the last handful of years now. That is David Shumate. That is in the back half of our show, which is coming up. Shays and Higgins here on a Friday on QSportsTalk.com and ESPN Radio. ESPN 97.7 and 100.1. Watch live on QSportsTalk.com. This is Shays and Higgins. We are live on QSportsDuck.com on your ESPN radio stations throughout Central New York. I'm glad to have you along on this Friday. Right against Danny Shays, talking Duke, talking Cameron, talking Cuse and Duke. Tomorrow noon, TK99 over on the dial as early as 1030 on your television ESPN uh, tomorrow, Jay Billis will be there. Axeman was talking with him uh, yesterday. So uh, Duke and ESPN are rolling out the red carpet for this one. And uh, here we go on it. This is the last uh, Bayheim Coach K in uh, Cameron. Uh, I'm kind of intrigued uh, when we get David Shumate, their play-by-play guy, on to end the hour, what, what the thoughts are down in Duke, because none of these games are are Coach K's last game <laughs> at at home. But it, I'm I'm intrigued to see what the whole uh, farewell tour has been like from from the Duke side of things. Exactly, and and for me, you know, Shashevskyville was another uh, big element. Like, what's that going to look like uh, next year moving forward? Are they going to rename it? Is is it going to be like mm-hmm. a court signing where it's going to keep they're keep being called that? For those of you who don't know, all the college students camp out before games overnight put up a little tent city, uh, you know, that, that's affectionately known as Krzyzewskiville before, uh, before the Duke games, uh, so they can get into the arena 
uh, however the tickets are distributed and seats, et cetera. So it's uh, always been, for, especially for the big games, uh, you know, it turns into a huge homeless encampment, for lack of a better uh, analogy. I'm sure there is one. But, um, yeah, so the, all these elements of the Coach K days are going to be uh, going to have to be reevaluated. Uh, Shireville, slightly easier to pronounce if they need to rename it n- next year. You remove a few syllables, uh, that'll, that'll help. Uh, Krzyzewskiville has many, many rules with the students there. People are like, how many people got to be in the tent and when can you go to class and the whole, there's a lot going on, uh, oh, with yeah. it. So I'm sure, I, I'm sure it is uh, well stocked uh, right now to get ready to get into the noon tip tomorrow at Cameron. And uh, we keep talking center matchups, and, and this may be uh, of all the the true center versus true center matchups we're going to get uh, this year. Seven footer on seven footer, Jesse Edwards, Mark Williams, top two in the league in block shots. Uh, th- this is setting up as a very intriguing matchup tomorrow, Danny, and in many ways one that could uh, easily decide the outcome of the game. Well, I'm really looking forward to seeing this because as we watch Jesse Edwards develop this year, you know, early in the season, it was kind of just him playing against himself, for lack of a better term. You know, not a lot of big centers to play against, certainly at the early part of the year. And, you know, so we saw him develop his game and his confidence and blocking shots. But now you look at the last couple of matchups. Uh, John Hughley from Pitt, who I think he outplayed badly uh, in that game. Uh, you look at uh, P.J. Hall. Uh, the other night, who I, you know, he certainly showed well against. Uh, you know, who, who really impressed me. PJ did with his inside game, and now we got this this third matchup, uh, Mark Williams, and uh, you know, you you start looking at Jesse in a whole new way as he really starts measuring himself against the, you know, what's considered the top center, certainly in the league. Uh, if not almost nationwide. You know, Coach had the comment the other day, Coach Beheim, that, uh, you know, Jesse right now is in the top 10% of bigs in the in the, in the the country in college. And, you know, how many schools really have good bigs? But, you know, the, here he's had three matchups, you know, kind of back-to-back against good, solid inside center players. And so the one tomorrow uh, against Mark Williams, I think, is going to be, you know, kind of strength against strength. You know, the two best shot blockers you mentioned, Jesse's offensive game, you know, really stepping up. And, and I think that's going to be probably as good a measure as we'll have all year as to just how far Jesse's, Jesse's come. And, and, and we'll see how much more headroom there is from there. Uh, Michael Waters had a good breakdown in this matchup uh, this morning. They are the top two in the league in block shots, both averaging more than three a game. But some key differences here. Duke obviously has a little more depth at that uh, spot. And in general, Mark Williams, he's only playing 21 minutes a game. And it's not because of foul trouble. He, we know Jesse Edwards, like he, he fouls out just for sport. Apparently, in the last game, he, he's gone out of six of the last seven, uh, playing twenty nine minutes a game. Williams plays twenty one minutes a game, has not fouled out of a game all season long. So that, that's wild. He's putting up those block shot numbers, only playing essentially half the game, and is leading right. the league by a wide margin. <laughs> exactly, and and it's interesting that. Uh, uh, you know, as you see a team like Duke that makes more adjustments, you know, certainly rotates guys in more and, and gives you more different looks than Syracuse is really capable of. But I think you're going to – I mean, essentially, I think Jesse would be a 35-minute guy if he could stay on the court for 35 minutes. I don't think that coach is looking to make substitutions there necessarily. Uh, you know, it's more just to, you know, to pre- protect him on the foul trouble side. But, um, you know, the other the other element here is you have a guy like Mark Williams who gets a lot – does a lot of his offensive damage off opportunity. 
Um, mm-hmm. You know, they don't really throw it into him. You know, he gets lobs on on the uh, you know the guy you know, with a short drive or maybe an offensive putback. Uh, I, you know, much more an opportunity score, not necessarily a part of the offense. And I think you've seen Jesse more and more become an actual part of the offense, uh, executing pick and rolls, running the floor where they look for him, and actually, you know, some small number of times, half a dozen times a game, throwing it into the post and letting him work one-on-one inside. And you're starting to see that part of his game develop more and more. Interesting to see you know, what that looks like in tomorrow's matchup. Hit me a little bit here, uh, Danny, on Paolo Bancaro. You said you saw him a lot at the prep level, at uh, the high school level. Now, college level is the only freshman top 10 in the league in either scoring or rebounding. He is in both, top six in the league in both. Four straight 20-point games, went 20-12 and 12 the other night. He had the overtime loss to FSU. So many one-and-dones, though, out of Duke recently. You talk about Zion, obviously. He was in the same class with R.J. Barrett and Cam Reddish. Marvin Bagley was a high draft pick. You go back further, guys like uh, Jalil Okafor, Jabari Parker, Jason Tatum have all had various levels of success in the league. Where where do you see Paulo, at least right now, in that Mm -hmm. kind of spectrum of Duke player? I think uh, I would actually put him more pro-ready in a complete game than I say even Zion was, uh, only from the standpoint that he has a more complete game. Uh, 6'10 instead of 6'7". Uh, handles mm-hmm. the ball, shoots it from three, uh, is really a complete player and physically mature, big and strong, runs the floor, jumps, uh, you know, 250 at 610, you know, big and physical, and gives you more elements, right? A really a complete player. Zion is, is a force of nature as he was, was much more limited in that way, right? Uh, always had been injury prone, questions about his durability, uh, not a, you know, ball handler, through outside shooter, just a force of nature going to the rim, of course, but not nearly as complete a player as Paulo is. And, uh, uh, you know, passer, you know, can play every position, literally all five positions, can bring it up as the point guard at 610, uh, can get into the post, uh, really good at driving the ball with either hand, physical, you know, hard to the rim. Uh, so I think you know, from an all-around player, he's as good as I've seen out of you know any of the one-and-done Duke players uh, you know, this generation. Yeah, you look at the, the recent guys. Jason Tatum is the one that's had the most success at, at yeah. the NBA level. I'd, I'd say you'd probably put Kyrie Irving more into a different generation. That's a, a decade ago now uh, of when he was at Duke. But Tatum is the guy out of at least that list of guys. It hasn't really happened for Zion yet because of injuries. Um, right. And the other guys have, you know, they've had their moments. R.J. Barrett's a solid uh, Nick, Cam Reddish, and Bagley, you know, they're decent NBA players. Okafor, it never quite happened for. Parker, it never quite happened for. Then he got hurt, and we'll, we'll kind of see uh, where Boncaro goes uh, in the next year. We'll ask uh, the Duke play-by-play guy, David Shumate, about that uh, when we come back. Before that, though, we'll tell you the NFL playoffs are in full gear, and everyone can get in the action with a risk-free bet on FanDuel Sportsbook. Doesn't matter if you're new to FanDuel or already have an account. All customers get up to $10 back if your same-game parlay doesn't win. Same-game parlays let you to combine multiple bets from one matchup for a big payout, you combine bets on the money line, point spread, player stats, so much more. Uh, lots of internet buzz about taking the under on Joe Burrow's rushing yards this week if you want to get your same-day uh, parlay started. Already have an account, just place your risk-free same-game parlay on any divisional round game to qualify. New customers, you know the promo code. It's Shays SYR for your risk-free bet. Plus, if it's your first bet with FanDuel, how about 30 to 1 odds on any team this weekend with that promo code, Shays SYR, turn five bucks into 150. 
Promo code SHEES, S-Y-R, on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. Must be 21 and over and present in New York. Bonus will be issued as a non-withdrawable site credit. It expires in seven days. Max bonus is $10. Restrictions apply. Please do see the terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. If you have a gambling problem, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-3. Six nine. Them's the details on FanDuel. Certainly to be active on this NFL divisional playoff weekend. Two games tomorrow. Two games on Sunday. Nightcap on Sunday will be the Bills and the Chiefs in Kansas City. That is going to be a fun watch on CBS this Sunday weekend. And a game you can listen to over on K-Rock here in the queue. So looking forward to that this weekend. With that one final break for the week here on Shays and Higgins, be joined by David Shoemate, the voice of the Duke Blue Devils, to get you set for tomorrow's game at noon in Cameron. That is next here on QSportsTalk.com and ESPN Radio. Watch your favorite ESPN Syracuse Sports Talk shows on QSportsTalk.com. <laughs> This is Shays and Higgins. This is Shays and Higgins. It is Friday. Got about 10 minutes left with you here today. We are less than 24 hours away from tip time in Durham tomorrow at noon in Cameron. Catch the action. Matt Park, Jim Sadlin over on TK99. Pre-game coverage starting as early as 10.30. If you happen to be driving around in the Triangle tomorrow, I'm sure you can find our next guest on the air somewhere. David Schumann will be on down there detailing things from the uh, Duke perspective. Uh, David, great to have you on here today. And uh, What's this year been like here? You're on the Coach K farewell tour. What's it been like uh, documenting that from your perspective this year? No, I appreciate me on. Before we get to that, we've we got acclimated for Syracuse to come down expecting some snow tonight. Uh, not quite as you but uh, for this area, it's a lot of snow, uh, three inches. But no, it's been, um, it's been awesome to see the, the ebbs and flows of it, the, the start of the year at MSG and all the history that comes with that building, with Coach in particular. And then, uh, you know, talking to a couple people about this the last few weeks, I think it was what's going on with the pandemic and the resurgence of COVID and, and Duke had their pause, and hopefully we're starting to turn the corner on that. I, I think some of the energy and the emotion around this tour, so to speak, has kind of been sapped out of it because, as you guys know, just trying to get to the next game and, and hope you get a chance to play and hope we're starting to turn the corner on that. And as he starts to make some of these trips in league play for the final time, I think it's starting to come to the fore again, particularly when he goes up against Coach Behan. Now, Dave, we talked about the, you know, with Krzyzewskiville being in full bloom for the game. Uh, how has the weather impact that? I know you guys are are not necessarily used to camping out in the snow quite so much. So uh, uh, definitely going to get some heaters going uh, or, or some heavy blankets, something like that. Yeah, no, one to three inches. So hopefully they can, can weather that. They have weather policies that they deal with. But no, the, the students are tough. It's a little different this year with some of the COVID policies. But no, they're out there. And um, for those that aren't as familiar with the process of Krzyzewski, it's, it's only about senior day. It's only about the game. Uh, against North Carolina that comes up in March. So these it started this week, and they will be camping out all the way through early March to get first dibs when you get into the building um, on that Saturday for the home finale, uh, the final game for Coach K and Cameron. So they'll be out there. They'll be hardy, but I'm sure they're excited that the game's at noon and 8 o'clock so you can get inside and warm up starting at 1030. 
<laughs> that that's always the key, right? You, you need to get inside for the other games so you can get out of the get yeah. out of the tents at, at least for a little bit. It is uh, noon tomorrow, and it, it's been so interesting. Coach Bayheim talked about it a bit on his show last night, and, and you mentioned the last game in uh, Cameron for him will be that day. The week before is when uh, you guys will be up here in the Dome on uh, the mm-hmm. last Saturday of, of February, and uh, hopefully that'll be a big crowd. But it, it, it's uh, those two friends for so long. It doesn't sound like he's planning on handing out a rocking chair or any, you know, the traditional uh, part, party gifts that, that sometimes happen in things like this. No, it, it's been interesting to see a lot of different teams, even teams that have come here to play Cameron. Duke isn't going for the play that they've gotten kissed. And even on Tuesday night in Tallahassee, Leonard Hamilton, Florida State, last year, um, Mike Krzyzewski has uh, uh, started a foundation here in Durham that helps minors work their way into to college and create better opportunities called the Emily, Emily Krzyzewski Center after his mother, and they made a donation there. But it's been really cool. Look, when, when Duke goes on the road, I wouldn't exactly describe it as friendly. Uh, for the most part, teams are pretty hostile. That's what you expect when, when you're a high-profile program, when you go on the road. But it's been really cool to see all the different teams, cases, coaches, what have you, show their respect for, for what he's done for the sport. And then once it tips, as you know, it's back to business. So, Dave, uh, we're getting towards the game, actually. I, there, I think there is a game tomorrow. So the yeah. two of the things we're focusing on here is obviously the center battle, uh, Mark Williams against Jesse Edwards, uh, and the Paolo Bonchero matchup. Uh, you know, I got to see Paolo play last year in the grind session, uh, being out in Phoenix. I uh, played a lot of their uh, games out there. So, uh, you know, seeing him up close and personal was, uh, uh, was great to watch. Uh, I know he had some of the cramping problems early in the season. Seems to be beyond that. And, uh, you know, kind of what are you seeing as far as him being you know, part of the team and how's that center matchup looking? Yeah, I think it's it's interesting to see how it plays out. At times, Duke has mixed up that lineup and maybe what you're referencing to of like gone to small ball at times, particularly as A.J. Griffin. Mm-hmm. That time, Paulo kind of plays the five. Um, and it's just given them a different wrinkle, particularly against a team like Virginia Tech that plays a small ball lineup primarily. Um, but no, Mark Williams has come on of late. Look, when you're going against the zone, it, you know, you're not really going to manipulate the defense by your lineup because it's going to be what it's going to be. Um, so that'll be interesting to see. To me, what's been interesting to watch with Bancaro is, you know, early in the year, he's always been in double figures, right? But he's lately, he's been like 20 plus every night. And I was talking to him about a couple weeks ago and he said, you know, early in the year, he was kind of picking his places and deciding when the team needed him. So he might drift in the background a little bit, let guys come to the fore. And I think he's slowly, but surely learning as they got into league play that he needs to be the guy every night. Um, and not, be so focused on, on letting some other guys have their opportunities. And, and when he's dominant, um, Duke is obviously at their best because he is such a difficult matchup because it's 16-250 and being able to play basically anywhere on the floor, shoot a three, on the drive, post up, all that stuff. He is just a matchup nightmare, not just one-on-one, but also the fouls that he can pile up on the opposition as well. He's been incredible um, to watch him develop. And then you Fields and Griffin and a bunch of other guys as well in that freshman class. Uh, it's funny, I guess, when, when you're the best player on the floor, that's what Paulo is most nights, uh, it's never a bad idea for you to <laughs> uh, take the ball and try to go uh, do something with it. And uh, David, you've seen this recent uh, rash of one-and-dones at Duke, and you know Paulo certainly will be part of that. I mean, he's a, a surefire lottery pick or, uh, next year in the draft, but you've seen Zion and Barrett and Tatum and all these guys. Where, where does Paulo kind of slide into that uh, for you? Obviously, Zion was the the biggest sensation of all, but from the basketball side of it, where, where does Paulo kind of fit in with that group? 
Yeah, he is the one that comes in, and, and the physical body, obviously, your mind goes right to Zion, but he's in a club, and there's only been a couple that I can think of that you look, and you, a lot of these guys, you see the potential, right? You're like, okay, they're going to be one and done because they're ready to go to the league, and what they're going to be long-term is really impressive. He's one of the few that's like, he could plug and play right now. I mean, he's got the physical mm-hmm. strength to be in the NBA. He obviously has all of the, the finesse ability that a lot of the guys have to come here, um, but maybe not the physical prowess that they build up once they get into the league. He's NBA ready, which I think puts him at the top of the list of what he can do and, and the versatility that he brings. Um, talk about the jump shot that he can do, the, the moves, the way he can beat people off the bench. And, and then his post game is, is coming along and developing a bunch of different skills inside uh, to be able to go in there and bang a little bit. And because, as you guys know, once you get to the next level, it's physical no matter where you are on the floor. And I think that's going to be impressive to, to see what he can do when, when he gets to the NBA. Um, but, no, he, he's ready to plug and play right now. And there just aren't many guys, even at Duke, where we've had a bunch of guys go one and done that come in and you're like, wow, they're ready to go to the league right now. Yeah, and that was the thing we had talked about earlier. When I watched him play last year, he was plug-and-play plug ready, uh, you know, in high school. I mean, really a physical specimen. Uh, and, uh, and again, his, we talk about his versatility because one of the things when he's got the ball, he not only can he make the play himself, but he commands so much attention. Uh, that it opens up a Mark Williams, you know, behind the zone for a lob or on a you know backdoor cut or you know swing for an open shot because you, you have to, uh, you know, in a traditional you know setting, you have to play him with more than one guy to keep him from getting to the rim. So strong going to the basket, and so you know, I think that's one of his biggest strengths is just how much attention he commands. Yeah, there's no question. I mean, I think the Florida State game is a great example of that. Obviously, Duke lost, but the way they came back, yes, he was dominant. He was doing his scoring touch, but the go-ahead button a lot to Williams because of the attention he was drawing and that presence of mind to look for other guys. There was even a, a bucket in overtime he got where he basically threw it at the rim, went and got his own rebound and laid it. I'm convinced it was by design that he was just getting up there because he saw the lane he had and he needed an extra step. So the, the mental side of it is just as elite as the talent side of it and that presence of mind in a hostile atmosphere, as you said, with guys draped all over him, to look for other guys, that's unique as well. All right, David, uh, quickly here in 10 seconds as we're up against the clock. Uh, Trevor Keels tomorrow, yes, no, what, what, what are you thinking? Nothing official. I mean, after the game, uh, they said it was a good sign to see him uh, return to the bench, but, but nothing official yet, so we'll have to wait to see until tomorrow. All right, David, appreciate it here for a few minutes. Uh, enjoy it tomorrow, and we'll, we'll see you up in the Dome here in a few weeks as well. Thanks, guys. All right, that is Thanks, the voice Dave. of the Blue Devils, David Shoemate. He'll be on the call down in uh, Durham on the Duke side of things for Duke and Q's tomorrow. Matt Park, Jim Sattelin over on TK99. Jay Billis and the crew over on ESPN. That is tomorrow at noon, first of two this year between the Q's and the Dukies. That's going to wrap up our week here on Shays and Higgins. Looking forward to the basketball Saturday. We'll recap it all back here at 3 o'clock on this upcoming Monday. On the Block with Brent X is coming up next right here, Q Sports. Doc.com at ESPN Radio.